Welcome to another episode of the DC Comics Chronicles. As always, I'm your host, Adam. And with me this week is my co-host, Chris. Chris, how's it going? Doing great, Adam. Happy to talk to you again, my friend. Well, it's awesome to talk to you, as it always is. And uh, look at that, you're back on another DC show here. It's two in a row uh, for you. Um, this I've time... Got a street going. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, they... Uh, this time we're going to delve into some comic books, specifically uh, issues three of Batman 89 and Superman 78. Um, the first two issues of both were done by Stephen and I, so you haven't had a chance uh, to chime in on the first two issues so what i'll do is i'll ask you two questions that is what is your thoughts on the two movies that these comics springboard for or actually wait a minute the, the, basically let me phrase it this way the the live action universe that these comics you know um existing and then give me some of your brief thoughts on the first two issues of each just to get a perspective well to cover the first question i'm just a huge fan of superman 78 and batman 89 i grew up never knowing a time in my life where i hadn't watched the first superman movie or the first two superman movies Um, and I remember seeing Batman 89 in the theater when it came out. So I've been huge fans of both of these properties ever since, as long as I can remember, really. And I really enjoyed the first two issues of both of these series. Um, I got to say, in regards to Superman 78 series, I'm a huge fan of Robert Venditti, the writer of the series. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I've been a fan of his going back to his work on Flash from about a decade ago to his mm-hmm. work on Green Lantern. I'm just a really big Robert Venditti fan, and I think his writing did justice to the source material. Couldn't agree more. Yeah, I've been I've been a fan of his. Uh, I can't rem- I can't say that I'm all too familiar with his Flash run, um, but I do. I'm well aware of his Green Lantern run. Uh, and he had the uh, unenviable task of following Jeff Johns, so that that that's you know not easy, especially where Green Lantern is concerned. Uh, and I also loved his Hawkman run. Uh, that's some of the best Hawkman you'll ever read, in my opinion. So I've um, not read his Hawkman run, but now I have something to add to my list. Yeah, I'm sure that it's a, it's a couple of volumes in uh, in graphic novel form. I think the whole thing ran uh, 29 issues. It should have run more, but you know, unfortunately, um, I, I I don't know. I, I guess it was due to sales or or what have you, or other plans with Hawkman. I'm not 100 percent sure, um, but yeah, I thought it was great. So uh, check it out and. Uh, and, uh, you know, I think you'll enjoy it. But yeah, uh, continue. Okay, and um, 
you know the both both Superman seventy eight and Batman eighty nine are written and illustrated in a way that when I'm reading the issues, I hear the actors' voices in my head. You know what I'm saying? Say, like, I, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, I can I can hear Christopher Reeve and Superman's dialogue. I can hear Margot Kidder and Gene Hackman and Michael Keaton and even Michael Goff as Alfred. Mm. Um, yeah, it's just it's really it's nostalgic. It really puts you right back into that universe. And uh, I was just yeah, I'm I'm glad that you asked me to jump on board and talk about these issues because I really enjoyed them. Awesome. I'm glad to hear you. You got a kick out of the first two issues for sure. Um, so I guess with that, uh, all that, um, you know, initial thoughts out of the way, um, let's pick up where, uh, where um, issues three begin. So let's start with uh, Batman 89, since that's the one that came up first, uh, we usually do them in release order, so we'll continue that trend. Um, so give us a little bit of a brief idea of what happened in this issue. Well, Batman 89, issue number three, is kind of like showing us Harvey Dent's transformation into Two Face. Uh, it begins with him saving the character of Drake from a fire in the building. And, um, you know, I got confused while I was reading this issue. So does part of this issue take place in Harvey's mind? Yes. Okay. Yes. I, I don't worry. I was confused at first, too. It took it took a, a second, you know, look back and read through to make sure I'm like, uh, am I reading this right? Yeah, okay, so cause it, because shortly into the issue, it jumps to one year later, and it shows Harvey speaking to Commissioner Gordon, who at this point has become Barbara. It's not her father anymore. And, you know, they're together, and um, then you you see it. what looks like it fades to black, and then when it comes, when you come back to the present time you see two people you see bruce wayne and drake dragging uh harvey dent's body out of the fire so that threw me for a loop the first right. time i read through it um but let's see so bruce and and tim or bruce and drake i keep wanting to call him tim because his name is drake yeah yeah i know i get that too yeah i keep keep wanting to do that um but yeah bruce and drake rescue Harvey from the fire, pull him out, and everyone can see that half of his face is badly disfigured from the explosion. Um, he's wheeled off to the hospital, um, and... Sorry, I just read this a little while ago, and now that's I'm okay. trying to get yeah. my bearings again, going back through it. I think um, that's when we start getting the... The the mind, yeah, the the internal struggle or the mental struggle for with Harvey and 
like we kind of go into his head and kind of see that play out, that struggle play out, I think. Yeah, I think you're right about that. It was written in such a way that it was difficult for me to pick up on it the first read <laughs> through, but now flipping back through it, I'm starting to see that some things. Um, so Drake Drake is awakened, and they he's told that a reverend uh, took up a collection for his stuff that got burned in the fire, and he says he didn't have that much stuff. Um We see Bruce, see, and then this is weird too. You see Bruce having a vision of or a dream of being kissed by Catwoman, and then you, it, it cuts to him being in bed with a with an actual cat licking on his face. Right. Um, yeah. But Bruce Wayne is outed, not outed, but is on the front page of the Gotham Globe with a picture of him and it says Bruce Wayne superhero reclusive millionaire and daring rescue of Gotham DA and you can tell the the time period in which this was written because it just refers to Bruce as a millionaire whereas now in 2021 he is a billionaire but back in back in 89 millionaire was good enough um it certainly was It, uh, you know what I liked about that, actually, now that you mentioned that, was his overall reaction to, like, the news. Like, he did not like being in the public eye. Not at all. Right. When the reporters started swarming him, you know, they, he just wanted none of that. And that is very true to the, the character specifically of... <coughs> of the the Tim Burton films. He was a recluse. Yeah, so much so that even the journalists covering his party at his house didn't know what he looked like. Right, exactly. So that's very much in keeping with this version of Bruce Wayne. And I like that. Yeah. Um, We cut back to Harvey in the hospital Mm -hmm. and Barbara's visiting him. And she tells him he's gotten almost 200 cards and letters from all over the city. And the doctors say that he's he's healing ahead of schedule and, and that Bruce came by to see him. But Harvey's uh, Harvey's getting angry. He's saying, you know, when she mentions Bruce, Harvey says, Bruce, the white knight returns, a walking reminder of every ass I ever had to kiss. Um, so he's even though Bruce rescued him, he's kind of holding a grudge against the guy. Yeah. Um, um Barbara tells Harvey that she's taking care of his coin for her, the two-sided coin. He asks for a nail file and he etches a line into one side of the coin. So now he does have a head and a tails coin to flip right. uh when making decisions or, you know, when 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 something needs to be chosen. Um, I like the little nods in here to Batman Returns. Uh, Bruce finds a note from Selena, but it's written on a piece of Shrek's department store stationery. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a pretty neat nod. Uh, we see Bruce chasing Selena over the rooftops. Um, and she, uh, says that Bruce must have found her clue. Um, Bruce says that he knows a good cosmetic surgeon in Switzerland that can help Harvey. Um, let's see. 
and we end with Harvey in his hospital bed um, flipping his coin to decide for the soul of Gotham, and the coin comes up with the scarred head, and that is the end of the issue. I, I, I really liked, one of the things I liked is how they depicted, you know, that internal struggle between Harvey Dent and Two-Face. Yeah. Like, in his, like that's something that I think... Had Tim Burton had the chance to do it, I, I think it would have played out in that kind of fashion. Like that's how it would have been presented. Um, and as you've read the first two issues, you can see um, that you know there there was that darkness, that that, that hot temper to uh, to Harvey. And and like so now you've you've seen it, you, you know the, the 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 trauma of the burn and the you know the burn face brings that that personality to the surface. I really like that. Um, uh, again, it's very true to the, the the comic book character, but also is done in a way that's believable for this particular world. Um, also, the part about how Bruce offers to pay for the medical bills, and and when Barbara tells Harvey that option, he wants none of it. You know, he's a very proud, a stubborn man. Uh, and again, that's in keeping with the Harvey that we're familiar with from the from the mainline comic books. Um, and um, So, what was one, what was some of your favorite part? Um, one of the things that stood out to you the most, story wise. Well, I think what you mentioned about the descent, uh, or maybe not the descent, but the internal struggle between Harvey and himself. It's it's neat the way it's depicted in the comic. You see. Harvey having basically a dialogue with himself, but there's two Harveys. There's the Harvey yeah. who is in the hospital gown and has half of his face bandaged up, but he's talking to a Harvey who is still um, put together, slick in his three-piece suit. Mm-hmm. Um, so that little piece in the middle of the of the issue where um, you know he's they're talking about the dichotomy between their two worlds, like. The one Harvey says, in my world, Drake never went up to the roof. I saved him from the burning garage, and I'm a hero, as opposed to the world where Harvey is laying in a hospital bed with his face bandaged up and badly scarred. Right. So, right. yeah, I think I think I really can kind of echo what you said. I liked that internal struggle between the two base and the Harvey personas. Uh, yeah, and in terms of art, I think my favorite – my favorite bits of art were was the uh, the the Batman Catwoman chase on the roof. Yeah, that was very well done. That was that was very you know very evocative of the Burton you know Gotham and and it, it just really 
they do a good job of capturing the spirit of this world. Um, and and the art is stunning. Again, it, it if if the people have watched or listened to our previous reviews, they'll know that you know slight artistic liberties have to be taken. Uh, and I'm assuming that that's down to, you know, a money thing, where it can't look 100% like Michael Keaton or Michelle Pfeiffer, but they get it bang, you know, pretty bang on close. It's pretty close. But but yeah, that rooftop, Batman, Catwoman, Chase, you know, that's an iconic, iconic thing for those two characters, and so. You know, to see it play out again, and, and just to have that version of Batman and Catwoman back together is pretty cool. Uh, it is, again, and I like I like Catwoman telling Batman that she talks about him with her shrink. Yeah, and Batman's like, "Wait a minute, you discussed this with a psychologist," and she's like, "Don't think too much of yourself." She's got at least six clients who claim to be Batman. Which in this Gotham, in in as part of the storyline as shown in the first two issues, there are other like street vigilantes who are out there just like wearing Batman T-shirts or hoodies or something like that. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, 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 yeah. So it makes sense that in this Gotham City, that there would be a lot of different people tr- pretending to be Batman and that some of these people would have mental problems that would necessitate the help of a shrink. Now they've teased, I don't know if you saw in the previous issues that, you know, they've teased the presence of Harley Quinn, right. As a, as a psychiatrist. I wonder if that's the, the psychiatrist that, Selena is going to. That would be really interesting. That'd be kind of interesting. Uh, and I know this is probably not the case, but I love it if the surgeon that Bruce mentioned happened to be uh, Dr. Thomas Elliott. Oh, yeah. That'd be kind of cool. Well, he does say the doctor's in Switzerland, but I guess you wouldn't have to be a Swiss doctor to be practicing there. You could right, be a, right. an American. Right, exactly, exactly. So, um, uh, no, I um, I think this was another solid issue. Uh, I like that the majority of it, you know, dealt with... Uh, with uh, Harvey and his, you know, the emergence of Two-Face. So I thought the pacing was good, and I thought it got enough, uh, enough, you know, time warranted to it. So I, I really like that. But is there anything else you want to mention before we go ahead and rate it? Um, no, I don't think so. I think we pretty well covered it. All right, cool. So let's rate it. Remember, we do five for story and five for for art. So yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I'll give this one a, a five for both. I, I think it was a well done story, even though. Well, okay. Let let me take that back. I'm gonna give it a four. Um, okay. Because 
there were times when I was confused as to what was going on in the storyline. Now, maybe that's a me problem and not a story problem, but the way that it was presented, like I mentioned earlier, um, I had to go back through it and re and get my bearings and find out exactly where I was because I wasn't sure where it was with the time shifting and everything. So I'll go with a four on story and a, a five on artwork, which I think is beautiful. Um, you mentioned the bat one, the Batman Catwoman chase across the rooftops. I do agree. That's probably the standout artistic piece of the story. Um, but I really like the artwork. And like you said, they, they probably can't do an exact 100% likeness of Michael Keaton, but it's good enough that I know who I'm looking at when I see it. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, I'll give it a four and a five for a total score of nine out of 10. Yeah. And I'll give it, I'll give it the exact same rating. Uh, and again, mainly for the reason that you stated is that even I, uh, got a little confused with, where exactly we were like i'm like oh so harvey saves drake but then no no that's actually a dream but it was oh, it was a little bit of a it was a little difficult to discern whether this was happening in the present or it was it was you know what it actually was which was a, a fantasy a dream so so but yeah for story and five for art another fantastic issue and i can't wait for issue four indeed all right with that one down let's turn our attention to superman 78 number three give us an idea of what happened there superman 78 number three the issue picks up where issue number two left off with Superman surrendering himself to Brainiac. Lois is yelling no, and the Metropolis townsfolk are telling Brainiac that they're not going to come into their town and take their Superman away. Um, Superman says, let me do this last kindness for you. Let me go so that you can be safe. Um, I really like, uh, there's, there's a visual of superman and he's listening and he can hear lois's heart beating uh-huh. and and he says goodbye lois and that that was uh, really well done i think um so he surrenders himself to brainiac to be taken aboard brainiac's ship once aboard brainiac's ship he sees these small vials that are remnants of different civilizations that brainiac is collecting um he let's see he shrinks superman down mm-hmm. places him inside one of the one of the uh, vials and superman turns around to find his parents laura and jor-el so right. Apparently, before right before Krypton exploded, Brainiac came in and um, miniaturized the city of Kandor and has it now stationed above his or on aboard his ship. And Superman now finds himself in the city of Kandor with his birth parents. Um, back at the Daily Planet, 
Lois has written a headline of Goodbye Superman, and he's shown in the paper on the front page being led away by Brainiac's um, robots. Mm-hmm. Back in back in the Bottle City, Superman has removed his red, blue, and yellow suit, which still has the red trunks, as we know from the, from the original Superman movies. Mm-hmm. And he has now donned the white and black garb of his family, and uh, he kind of runs. He's speaking with his mother, with Laura, and she asks about his parents on Earth. And he tells them about Mom, Pa Kent, and how they raised him. Um, and for Donnie, who's listening, of course, that's Jonathan and Martha. Well, go ahead, Donnie, and do what you got to do. <laughs> but continue. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see. Jor-El takes Superman, or Kal-El now, I guess, on a bit of a tour through the city, and Cal is uh, able to meet some of the wildlife from his home planet of Krypton that he's never known since he grew up on Earth. Um, At the end of the issue, we see Lois going to meet someone in the warehouse district. A cloth is placed over her mouth, which I'm assuming contains chloroform. Uh, Lois, yep. So Lois is rendered um, unconscious. She comes to sitting at a table in what looks like a very old, a room with very old computers. Once she sees the person who has abducted her, she says, "You," and that person says, "You expected someone else. Pay attention. You'll love this." And we see that it is Lex Luthor, and he closes the issue saying. Brainiac is about to learn that I am the most devious criminal intelligence in the universe. When the time comes, you can print that. Lex Baby is going to bring back Superman. And that's how the issue ends. Uh, yeah, no, it... Um, what I... I really like the scenes at the beginning where... You know... The people of Metropolis get in front of Superman to defend him. And, you know, they explicitly say, you know, basically he's one of us now. Um, I like that because it shows the growth of the relationship between Superman and the people of Metropolis. Where, if you remember... You know, in Superman 2, when the three Kryptonians were devastating the city, and to to save the people, Superman takes off, like to lead the three Kryptonians away. And a lot of the people assume wrongly that, oh, he's, you know, he's taking off on us. But then eventually he comes back and, you know, of course, saves the day. So, I, I think them standing in front of him and, and showing support and saying he's one of us now, they, to get to him you have to go through us, shows the maturation of, of the relationship between the people, Metropolis to Superman. So I like that. Uh, I like the moment that you called out between Superman and Lost where he can hear a heartbeat. Um, were you surprised 
like having read, I'm assuming you read all these three pretty consecutively. Yep. Um, so were you surprised that we're seeing um, Jor-El and Lara? Yeah, that was a surprise to me because at the very beginning of book one, issue one, yeah. we see them preparing Kal-El and sending his ship away. And we see Krypton explode, but we see that Brainiac is witnessing this. He's he's witnessing the explosion of the mm-hmm. of the planet. But I didn't think ahead to think like, okay, Brainiac then made a move on Krypton to miniaturize one of the cities. Like that wasn't something that I thought about being a possibility but now looking back it, i should have obviously thought of that because that's what he does he collects these civilizations and has his little um menagerie on his ship um so yeah i was i was surprised because i didn't i didn't see that coming what's funny is that i remember when i read issue one for the first time when i was discussing with a friend of mine after we had read it um i had said what if I pose the question? What if um, you know? At some point throughout the course of the series, we learned that Brainiac has bottled a part of Krypton, Kandor in this case, and in said bottle are Jor-El and Lara. And the reason I thought that was that if you go back to issue one, and that moment just before you know, you know, once they said. Uh, Callaway, and then the last scene we see of uh, of Joran Lara, the lighting is a little weird, as if you know there is some beam or something, you know, encasing them in this bottle. I didn't know that that was the case, but I said that light looks a little bit, you know, unique and different, like it stands out. So I'm like, I wonder if, and, and you know, I just so I'm not saying I'm I'm super smart or anything because many people will tell you the contrary but uh, it just I'm you know it's cool to be right every once in a while and it doesn't happen very often but it's cool that I was I was right in calling that um, yeah that's good uh, foresight on your part and that's very good uh, like I like I like that Superman or Cal now that he's on Kandor um has this time with his flesh and blood Kryptonian parents. I mean, technically, he's always had time with his father, you know, through the through the the fortress and Superman one and two. But it's like, it's Jor-El's essence. Like even in the Donner Cut, when Jor-El puts his hand on him, I don't think that's physical Jor-El. That's just the essence of of Jor-El being transported. Like I don't, you know what I mean? I don't think it's even though we see in the Donner Cut, Martin Brando put his hand on Superman's shoulder. I don't think we're, what, what we're meant to be seeing is not physical Jor-El. Like, right. You know, so so, and even with the mother in the in the theatrical cut of Superman two, again, it's the hologram. It's not actual Laura, right? So 
it's nice that this is actually his physical living breathing uh, Kryptonian parents. It's a different wrinkle than what we're typically used to in in the mainline comics. Um, uh, I like the fact that they incorporated the Kryptonian, some Kryptonian animal life and, and you know farm animals because yeah, again we never got to see that in the Donner universe. So I like that it's bridging the gap between, in some way, between. Um, between comics and that movie world, right? So I, I enjoyed that. And th this might come off as uh, a weird choice for me in terms of my favorite art pieces uh, of the issue. It's probably the, the part where He's talking about Lois to his mother. Yeah. You see a visual like in his head of, of him thinking about the time they flew together in Superman 1. Yeah. And the other image was the flashback to Smallville, Kansas, where <laughs> to basically when, <laughs> when he lands as a child. Like that looked uh, like pitch perfect. To the movie scenes. And so those were the art pieces that I loved. So what was let's go through I told you some of my favorites. So what were you, what were your favorite moments story wise and then artistically? Uh story wise I would say I like the part where <laughs> Superman is dressed in the Kryptonian garb and he and his mother are talking about his life back on Smallville mm, um, yeah. you know talking about Jonathan and Martha and how they took care of him and how they raised him um, so that was my favorite story part uh, I think my favorite artwork is what you previously mentioned uh, the the Kryptonian wildlife it was really neat to see the different creatures because you're right in the movies all we got of actual krypton was the you know the very end of the life of that planet and it was in one small location now you know in man of steel we got to see some kryptonian wildlife uh, but this this is a different different <laughs> universe so this is something we haven't seen in this setting before so i think those were my favorite story and art pieces of the book uh, agreed. Uh, Those Kryptonian creatures are just really cool. They're colorful. Uh, they have like personality. Yeah. Yeah. No, 100% agree. Um, so, since I kind of predicted, uh, you know, Jorah and Lara being trapped in in uh, in the bottle, you know, Iron Man had Demon in a Bottle as a storyline. And uh, Superman has birth parents in a bottle uh, as a storyline. 
that should be the name of a graphic uh, graphic novel. But anyway, um, I'm going to make a prediction on what I and it's not really. I'm not Nostradamus or anything. I just think <clears throat> this is pretty obvious. So tell me if I'm or maybe maybe it's not. You tell me what you think. But I have a feeling that through the course of the next three issues. Um, Superman and his parents are going to be, you know, trying to come up with a way out. Uh, and at the same time, Luther is going to, you know, work to kind of accomplish that goal as well. But I think at some point, there's going to have to be a decision made by Superman to either... that. So basically, it's going to be put to him that once you're free from the bottle, like once we set things right, these people are going to go back to the to the time just before they were taken. So the choice is: do they stay in the bottle, or do you set them free? But the 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 caveat with that is you're essentially sentencing them to death because if the, you know if my theory is correct once they're put back it's going to be back to where back to before they were taken so that's how i and then superman's going to have to make a choice so back to a krypton that is on the verge of death yeah, right right okay so he's going to have to choose between earth and Lois or essentially Krypton and his parents. That's an interesting prediction. And I have a feeling I know obviously which way Superman is going to choose. I mean, he's going to go with Lois. Right. Um, so I'm, I'm interested to see what Luther's plan is. Uh, yeah, because you know he's not altruistic at all. Like he's got some some scheme. Exactly. I just hope it's not a land scheme. That's my only thing. Keep keep land out of it. We we've had enough of this Luther and land to last me the rest of eternity. So hopefully it's yeah. other other than land. We don't um, need the real estate magnate Lex Luther anymore. We've seen that enough. Right, yeah. So uh what That's this just, issue was missing was what what issue two had when Superman, in the callback to the movie when he pulls off the cellophane S and throws mm -hmm. it. Yeah. I really I really enjoyed seeing that in issue two, but there weren't any like I didn't notice any of those types of movie related Easter eggs in this yeah, issue. Yeah, aside from the flashbacks with you know Lois wearing the outfit that you know when they were flying um, and. And and the small vote basically being frame for frame from the movie. That's true. You're right. And in the Smallville scene, it it is almost frame by frame, including the over the shoulder shot when they see him coming out of the rubble, and then him picking up the the truck over yeah, yeah. on Pa's head. And the best part is, okay, I was playing the score as I was reading reading it, so it's it's an unfair comparison but if i wasn't playing that score while i was reading 
I'd be humming it because I could, I could, you know, like you can, you can look at those pages and be like, yeah, I know exactly what theme this is. I know exactly where it is in the movie. It's, it's amazing. So, uh, <clears throat> but yeah, I was already listening to the theme when I, or the, the soundtrack when I was reading the book. Nice. And boy, does that add to the experience. Um, but is there anything else you want to bring up or are we going to go ahead and rate this one too? Uh, I think we could go ahead and move on to ratings. We've All covered right, so it pretty well. Out of remember, out of five for story and five for art. I give it a five on both. I think Venditti does a really good job here of uh, capturing the voice of all the characters, and I think Wilfredo Torres' art is top notch. He does a really good job. Like uh, you, you know that this is Christopher Reeve's Superman. You know that this is Gene Hackman Lex Luthor. You know that this is Margot Kidder's Lois Lane. Out of the hundreds of different iterations of those characters that we've seen you know exactly which one you're getting with this. So for me, it's five and a five makes a 10. Yeah, I, I'm in a hundred percent agreement. This is a five for story and a five for art. Um, in terms of both in both scenarios, the call both in written and artistically, the callbacks were pitch perfect yet. They, they pushed the story forward in a direction we haven't seen the Chris Reeve era go yet, right? With him being back on Krypton slash Kandor and um, offering this iteration of Superman a new role, being, you know, the chief uh, leader of his people, uh, of, like his actual Kryptonian people, which is something we've never seen this Superman do. So, uh, again, it's got the perfect balance of nostalgia but pushing this era of the universe forward and so for that reason <laughs> it gets a perfect score all i can say before we wrap up is man i want more of this world like i hope it extends past six but i agree for both batman 89 and and superman 78 i want more of both worlds I agree, and I like that it's it. They seem they have their own self-contained continuity where yeah. it's not tying into seven or ten other books that you have to read to know what's going on. Yeah. If you've seen the movies and you read the comics, you know what's going on. Like for me, I and I say this every 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 time we review these, and I'm going to keep doing so until I get what I want. Um, I want I, again more volumes of these two comics. I want animated movie adaptations. Uh, and for Superman, I've said it before and I'll say it again. If you do do an animated adaptation of this, call Brandon Ralph. Right on. Uh, that's all I'm saying. Um, and so give me, give me more of this world. I mean, you know, like you could theoretically, you could theoretically, after the end of this, do a proper sequel to Superman Returns, because theoretically, Superman Returns is in this continuity, right? True. So you could continue the character forward from there and then go all the way up to leading him up to the Kingdom Come moment that we saw in Crisis on Infinite Earths on the CW. Like we could see some of that explored with this Superman. 
And conversely, with Batman 89, um, you could, yeah, after this, I mean, first of all, after this, after this story, like you could Burtonize so many other villains that we never got to see, like Scarecrow. Um, imagine Burton's version of Ra's al Ghul or Ra's al Ghul, depending on how you want to say it. Or Burton Scarecrow, you know stuff that we never. So there's so many avenues to go, but you. But what what this that book Batman eighty nine allows you to do is you could fill the gaps before we see Michael Keaton again in the Flash. So what happened in that thirty year span? Like we could actually see all that if these comics continue. That's true, and so, we have a full year before that movie comes out, so there's ample time for them to. Give us more of that Keaton Batman before we see him on the big screen. So DC, Warner Brothers, after the six issues, I need more Batman 89 and I need more Superman 78. So make it happen. And to help ensure that the expansion of this world, these worlds continue, if you haven't bought these books yet, but you're a fan of these two iterations of the franchise, head over to your local comic shop or head over to Comixology and buy these books. That's that's my recommendation. Uh, but if you want to, if you have read these books and you want to talk about them with us, you can on social media. So, Chris, where do they track you down? I'm on Twitter at Chris N. Harrelson. That's just my name, and I'm on Facebook as well. And I'll be all up in the groups when we post about this right so if you want to talk to me it's at adam underscore lease fan on twitter or it's at mmnpdc on twitter which is just the uh, podcast network's twitter page um, or we have the facebook group which is listed in the description below click it i will add you and we can continue the conversation uh, there if you so choose but until next time remember that Batman 89 and Superman 78 and their universes are forever from the first time you turn the pages as you hum the iconic themes to the last so long everybody